Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. Today, the way the culture functions, the most ordinary ways of life are slowly falling into the abyss. And technology's replacement is causing more separation and distance in relationships more than most realize. Yes, you can have voice to voice and be misled by verbal responses. On the other hand, sending a digital message, you said this, but I read that. You meant this, but I felt that. And if both are in possession of the latest gadgetry, yes, you have face-to-face. That is, if I allow you to see my face or me to see yours. And even so, I can put on a happy face just for you. But the personal touch, you got your tanks. Let's dive in. This segment is titled, Discipleship, the Way of Life, Walk. Now, come on. You tell me you're completely satisfied with technology as your primary means for communication. Now, disregard the convenience and accessibility factors. Yes, there could be a good excuse to have it. And not even consider all the misunderstandings created, the in-person ability that exists, and whether one has created an expectation of someone else reviewing and providing a timely response. Never mind the major distraction in the various aspects of life it has become for most people on this planet. The attention given to those devices, you would think they are designed to bring humanity closer together. But in reality, if they are accomplishing anything, they're manipulating people and driving them further apart. Yes, you can reach out and contact just about anyone, anywhere, at any time, even within the same household. Or on the other side of the world, for that matter. But, guarantee you one thing. It's artificial. And the human touch, well, it's sliding into the abyss as well. Someone testify that can actually express yourself truthfully in a text message. Or it's easier for you just to dial a number or say the name, and the computer that has a mind of its own does the rest. But the plain old truth, nothing will ever replace the intimacy, value, influence, and significance of one-on-one, face-to-face, good old communication that God designed and intended for humanity to exist in. Let alone the human touch, that's also dropping off into the abyss. It just seems that love that's expressed digitally goes only as far as the screen allows. Today, you see joggers, runners, cyclists, and even some moving about by the means of skateboards, and it's becoming more and more less frequent that you see those who actually walk. And yes, you can have some with a personal goal to lose weight, improve their cardiovascular systems, and walking does accomplish that kind of goal. And yes, there is less wear and tear on the feet, joints, and back. We'll agree 100%. But walking with a person is a preference of the past. Yes, you can walk to clear your head or just to get away for a few moments. And it does have the potential to be therapeutic, soothing, and recuperative. And could be physically and spiritually beneficial. But to walk is very rarely a desired consideration from getting from point A to point B. I remember growing up, there was a fella 
who walked everywhere, and it didn't matter where we would be within a 10-mile radius of the neighborhood, there was Calvin, stepping with a purpose. And the weather didn't matter either. It could be cold or hot. And if he needed to be there, and his feet were the means to the end, walk he did. Whenever I saw him, his eyes were always forward, his stride was purposeful, always alone, and when I looked at his feet, he had some dependable thick sole shoes that enabled him to travel without hot spots, bunions, or corns, and when I saw him, there's Cal on the move again. Walking on paved sidewalks and streets with some well-made footwear is one thing, but yet another to put in those miles with sandals on terrain that was moderate to strenuous, with hills, valleys, grass, dirt, some roads with ruts, and if it rained, a muddy mess. But an amazing thing? Jesus walked on water and through walls. The simple truth? There's nothing or no one that God has created that can stop Him. Now, for all you lovebirds out there, when you first started dating, was a long walk ever part of your courtship? And if it was, what made it special? You ever had to have that dreaded walk to take, like to the principal's office or your boss's office? How about when your dad or mom walked, when you knew by the sound of their steps it was not going to end well for you? For you husbands out there, how about when the doors opened and there she was, walking down the aisle. How's that walk been etched into the annals of your mind? And for you wives, do you remember your walk to the life change that was moments away as you saw the groom waiting in anticipation for you? What about your babies first started to walk and now you can't keep them corralled? And some of you may have even heard the old stories of having to walk uphill both ways to school. Have you ever wondered how many miles Jesus walked when he was on the planet? I did some research, and today you don't know how much of the data is actually true, and you can believe it. But I will communicate what I found, and the plain old truth, it really doesn't matter about the exact number. That's really immaterial. But the simple truth, Jesus did walk, and he was purposeful with every step he took on the face of the planet that he created by his words. So check this out. It's been estimated that Jesus walked over 20,000 miles in his lifetime. Now since Jesus didn't have a pedometer, that we know of anyway, I'm certain as God he knows exactly how far he walked. And who's to say that because he did and put wisdom in the innermost being and given understanding to the mind, he had cre humanity create one because all things have been created for him and through him, right? But listen to these tidbits of data. So with Jesus walking over 20,000 miles, he almost walked around the entire world. That would make sense now, though. Since he commanded in Mark 16, 15, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now, two things. Good luck with those phones. And when God says all, he means all. Does he not? 
It's estimated that Jesus walked about 20 miles a day during his three-year ministry. Well, that's about 7,000 miles. Jesus walked 120 miles from Galilee to Jerusalem. I wonder along the way if there were little people saying, Hey, Mama, there goes that man. It was that way when Jesus walked on the planet, and he has a history of walking with some of the most prominent vessels of humanity that God used to bring forth his work and salvation. Imagine this. You have one of the most phenomenal relationships with the Creator, and through God's plan, you have lived out exactly what he planned for you. Remember the statement about your mom and dad walking towards you? And it caused you fear? Well, consider this. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden, as Genesis 3.8 testifies. Now, here comes God. I wonder what God's footsteps sounded like. As God didn't change his cadence, stride, or trudge, you can count on that. No, God is always the same, and his word confirms that truth in Hebrews 13.8, which says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So no, God didn't walk any differently than he walked with Adam the day before. It's sin, and how sin causes change. It clouds your mind and blurs your vision, and it affects your walk. Now guilt and shame create a barrier in your heart and mind, shutting down your spiritual effectiveness. And then perceive things that yesterday didn't even enter your mind. I imagine it was the same for Adam. Why hide? You have a relationship with God, who is the creator of all things. And God is coming on his normal time for visit. And Adam, believe it or not, Adam was exactly where God planned according to his foreknowledge and predetermined plan. You can count on that. And the plain old truth? So are you. So, the simple truth is, and I'll add it right here, you'll be exactly where God wants you to be, exactly when God wants you to be there, even if it's upside down against that wall over there. You can count on that. Now, listen to this walking story. It's Genesis 5.22. Then Enoch walked with God for 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. Can you imagine how much Enoch grew spiritually in walking with God 300 years? Just imagine what Enoch saw let alone what he learned about God's will, God's ways, God's plan, God's work, and God's salvation. What was Enoch's spiritual conversations with God like? How about his personal conversations with people God brought into Enoch's life? Do you think God was at the center of Enoch's conversations? Or do you think Enoch was consumed with all the things his his stuff and all that was going on in the world. Was there any other prominent humans created by God that would warrant Enoch's attention? I don't think so. I would imagine Enoch talked about God 
because the only true God is the only source with a capital S of all life. Now that statement has to be true because of what God testified to about Enoch. And it's in Hebrews 11.5, excuse me, Hebrews 11.5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Do you want to know who else walked with God? That God said they walked with him? Noah walked with God. Listen to Genesis 6-9. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. You can read on Noah in Genesis 5-9, through 9, chapters 5-9. through 9. And it was God's will and work for Noah's life that God called Noah to faithfully work on the construction of the ark for the preservation of humanity. Where do you think Noah got the wherewithal, proficiency, and energy to complete this monumental task of building an ark? Simple answer, God. Do you think Noah continually babbled about the crime, immoral, wicked, and evil behavior of his neighbors? Or was Noah laser-focused on God's plan set forth at the foundation of the world for him to accomplish? Can you explain how anything other than what God is doing in and through humanity that would be more important, that one would mention more trivial matters and things, and never even mention God's name? Well, anyway, consider this. Just imagine you were one of the disciples that walked with Jesus during his ministry. And you were there when he got arrested. And you, like the others, scattered. So, you're at home and a bit fearful because they just killed Jesus. And you're proclaiming you're a follower, right? And because you had hope in him and now... <sighs> he's dead and buried. What would you be thinking? Now, all throughout the three-year period, you were walking with him. You witnessed some amazing work of God the Father through Jesus. So your testimony is, I saw with my own eyes and heard with my own ears. I saw Jesus turn water into wine at the wedding at Cana. Jesus drove out an evil spirit from a man in Capernaum. Jesus cleansed the man with leprosy. Jesus healed two blind men. Peter brought back a shekel of a fish's mouth. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead in Bethany. And Jesus healed Malchus's severed ear while he was being arrested. Some of the other disciples were chatting up stories about Jesus restoring sight to Bartimaeus. Healed the blind man, mute and demonic man, and Jesus fed 5,000 plus women and children. Another popped off. We saw Jesus feed 4,000 plus women and children, calm a storm on a sea, heal a paralytic who was let down from the roof by his friends, and raise Jairus' daughter back to life. And others testified that Jesus healed a Gentile woman, demon-possessed daughter. And we all know that Jesus walked on water. 
and had to walk through the wall because the doors and windows were locked up tight. And there's still millions of stories of works and testify about Jesus' work. And the testimony of the thousands upon thousands and myriads upon millions of disciples will from now and forever proclaim your truth of your word and declare, O Lord, how many are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions, as Psalm 104.24 testifies. And the more you hear about Jesus, the more astonished, humbled, overwhelmed, convicted, free, knowledgeable, realizing, amazed, seeing and believing in Jesus more than any created being or thing that God has made. Now, he's dead. How would you be walking home from Jerusalem? How do you think you would feel? Have you ever given the thought or consideration about those initial converts that God, whom you love with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, is dead? Well, guess what happened when two disciples were walking home from Jerusalem one day? And you must hear the whole story because it will bless your life and bring the truth of God to the forefront of your essence. Amen. It's Luke 24, 13 through 35, titled The Road to Emmaus. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and in word in the sight of God and all people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things have happened. But also, some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women also had said. But him... They did not see. 
And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village and there as where they were going, and he acted as though he was going farther. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and appeared to Simon. They began to re relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. And I want to say this, the word of God. First of all, always be mindful of God's testimony coming out of your own mouth as his disciple. Because God could have said to them the same thing he said to Judas in Matthew 26, 25. And Judas, who was betraying him, said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. And Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. And to Caiaphas in Matthew 26, 64. And Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And now Jesus could have said to those men in Luke twenty four twenty one, But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. And he should have said, you said it yourself. <laughs> and the amazing thing, three times in Luke 24, God says, the third day. God is amazing. The plain old truth, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. God's salvation approaches you when you least expect it. You don't go looking for God's salvation. No. It's God, in his sovereign grace, out of love and mercy, brings it to you. Remember Colossians 1, 13 and 14? For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Why? You really want to know your why? You're dead, spiritually blind and cannot see. That is, unless, as Luke 24, 31 testifies, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Key words, their eyes were open. God opens the eyes. 
because God doesn't say they opened their eyes and recognized him, nor does it say they saw him coming and stopped. Amen? Because the plain old truth, God saw you way before you walked on that road. Believe that. God makes known the sustenance and substance of faith is provided by and in God and God alone. And one's faith goes well beyond what one can actually see. Remember Hebrews 11? Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And God's work and word goes well beyond his physical appearance. There must be more. Just mentioning Jesus' name because that seems to be the right thing to do only creates a temporary mindset. Then what you find, the thoughts and conversations that hover in the sanctuary, but by the time you make it to the parking lot, they fall into the abyss of your own mind. Now, these men were disciples of Jesus. And I am certain it was God the Father that drew these men to Jesus and written in the predetermined plan. The road to Emmaus was entered, and just like a time for every event under heaven, excuse me, Jesus said, ah, there they are, because he had already talked to and was with them, because God came among them, yet still God makes it apparent that believing goes well beyond the information of what belief in God really is, because Jesus says, as I believe he's still saying it, O oh, foolish men, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. You tell me. I expect and believe God the Father is pleased to hear the heart of his disciples focus on testifying to and proclaiming Jesus and who Jesus is. Cogitate on this. Deep discussions about Jesus and only Jesus, many believe and thus live out their talking must include the composites, transportation, local, season, and people, when in actuality, it's only all about the stone with a capital S. And when it's only about the stone, did your heart not burn? And if it's not burning, it's only because there's way too much emphasis placed on composites, transportation, locale, season, and people, and that people's with a small p not seeing and understanding that those terminologies, styles, expressions, chats, talks, comments, declarations, news, statements, and information are actually only chilling your heart versus igniting it. And tell me if I'm wrong. When Jesus' name breaks the airways, eyes go up, ears perk to attention, and everyone is paying attention, and your heart the very flame of the Lord. Listen to Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6. Put me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death, jealousy as severe as Sheol. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Isn't this the testimony of God? Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction, as 2 Timothy 4.2 testifies. 
Well, isn't preached the word because we believe, have faith in, know, and understand that the word became flesh? Then preach Jesus and only Jesus. As 1 John 5.11 says, And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And Acts 4.12, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Do you remember the question Jesus asked the initial converts? And if you don't, you can find the answer to the question in the Godcast episode 46 titled Discipleship the Way of Life Questions. But here it is. Jesus asked, Who do you say that I am? And what God revealed to you about Jesus speaks volumes to God's work in and through you. Remember Philippians 2.13? And I must testify, if God has caused you to know and understand the life of Jesus, that's the only way you've learned it. You would think for all that Jesus endured for your salvation, the spiritual life you have now, the freedom from the bondage of sin and death, the occupation of God the Holy Spirit, you know his presence and work, being able to love, forgive, extend grace and mercy, worship the only true God in spirit and truth, your eyes and heart are open, your new heart and spirit are alive. The plain old truth, I don't care how many batteries you put in that flashlight. If the bulb don't work, there'll be no light emitting from that device. God is the provider of not only the power, but also the ability to emit His light. If God can prevent seeing in His sovereignty, He can also grant spiritual and physical vision. From the truth of the gospel, you can do anything and everything to speak the truth in love. If God veils the eyes, that light bulb ain't never gonna light up, and they will be blind. This week I was thinking about all of you, and this passage that God brought to my noggin, it's Isaiah 53, 1. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the Lord, the arm, excuse me, and to whom has the Lord, my goodness, that's how much it occupied my mind. I can't even get it out to you. It's Isaiah 53, 1. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And if you are like those men walking on the road to Emmaus, Jesus could be standing right there. And I said, what? Ew. I acted like, what? <sighs> and I did, what? Regardless of popular belief, salvation is from God and only granted in and through by God and God alone. 
This is truly the significance, value, and importance of God's grace, His sovereign will, His good pleasure, and His workmanship in and through His disciples. I was doing some training this week, and there's a good old boy there, and he said this today, or not today, but he said it yesterday. He says it's actually every day. You see what I'm saying? So I'm asking you. You see what I'm saying? Yes or no? NGA. Listen to this truth of God. It's Matthew 11:25 through 27. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Father wills, excuse me, and anyone whom the Son wills to reveal him. So, in other words, it doesn't matter where on this planet you search as to the schooling, years of experience, patient count, and reputation of the optometrist. They will never correct one's spiritual eyesight. It's only the Creator alone that possesses the power to grant sight. No one can believe on their own accord. Remember this. If God asks those men questions, you better expect them yourself. By the way, how do you think questions apply to this passage of God's truth? It's Romans 14:12. So then, each of one of us will give an account of himself to God. And just a little reminder, account means explanation, version, interpretation, validation about Jesus. Oh, it would be easy to think about yourself, but no. Remember, it's Jesus and only Jesus. Finally, oh foolish people and slow of heart to believe in all that God has spoken. All throughout the Old Testament, the same words are written over and over by God. Walk in his ways to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies. Walk in all his ways and keep his commandments and hold fast to them and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments so that you may live and multiply. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments so as to carry them out, to walk in his ways and to fear him, to walk in his ways always. You would walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments and his ordinances and listen to his voice, to walk before me in truth with all your heart and with all your soul, if you will walk in my statutes and execute my ordinances and keep all my commandments by walking in them, then I will carry out my word with you. And 
all of what God does when he did not walk in the way of the Lord. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not turn away from all the sins, but he walked in them. Goes in company with workers of iniquity and walks with wicked men. So I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart to walk in their own desires. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. As we head back up, take this with you. Psalm 1-1 proclaims, How blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Micah 6-8 declares, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 states, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Galatians 5, 16 testifies, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5, 25 affirms, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Proverbs 28, 26 bears witness, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool but he who walks wisely will be delivered. And finally, this amazing, profound promise of God is found in 2 Corinthians 16, correction, 2 Corinthians 6, 16. Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Remember this. Jesus walked about 2,000 feet, a bit over a third of a mile, to be killed on a cross for the salvation of his disciples. You may consider stopping today and proclaim him. Let me pray for you. Abba, we love you and thank you for today. This is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Abba, I implore you and beseech you to empower us to keep our eyes, mind, and hearts fixed on Jesus, creating us the ability to be reminded constantly of Jesus' work started at the foundation of the world through today and is finished so that we as your disciples can live in the light of your love, your power, your spirit, your faithfulness, your grace, and your mercies forever. As you know, O oh God, it's impossible for us with our finite minds to fully comprehend all that you are, the depth of your love, and the effectiveness and accuracy of your workmanship in all that you have created and are being carried out in accordance to your predetermined plan. Continue to create in us the wonder and awe we have to live out your sovereign will in and through our lives every second of every day. We know we're only breathing today because you have the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind in your hand. I pray and ask that you, by the power of your work of your spirit, 
Ignite the flames of fire in the hearts of those disciples that need igniting. And continue to fan the flames of fire in those disciples that are on fire for your truth, your word, and your son. My heart is compelled to testify to your truth. And I pray these words are pleasing to your ears and heart. And you make it become the encouragement for all the disciples ordained to hear your message. For this reason also... Since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance in the saints of light. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Have a great day of worship and keep walking the way.